Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald Podcast, where we say love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's Word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James. Wherever you are, I hope you know where your Bible is, and uh, let's get our Bibles and head over to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, this is the third uh, installment uh, in our series, uh, How to Have uh, Peace of Mind. Uh, how to Have Peace of Mind. Uh, I've been a little worried this week that there would be a fourth installment. Uh, but instead, I uh, prayed thankfully uh, to the Lord, and I've had real peace about that. So I believe that we'll get to the conclusion uh, in this uh, time together. Um, the whole concept, of course, is, is that peace is the calm assurance that what God is doing is best. And if you're uh, here today and you don't have a peace of mind, God wants you to have it. And uh, how many people have had uh, significant seasons uh, in their life uh, when they have not had peace of mind? We just acknowledge that. And, and first of all, peace of mind comes through, uh, you can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Most people don't understand that we're born into this world um, uh, at enmity with God, that we are in sin and by nature and by action separated from God. And the glorious news of the gospel is, is that Jesus came uh, out of love, uh, sent by the Father to pay the price for your sins and mine so that we could be uh, forgiven. And we just need to turn from our sin and uh, embrace Jesus Christ by faith for our forgiveness and we can receive the free gift uh, of eternal life. Amen? Amen? That's the peace. That's peace with God. But even if you uh, have peace with God, and if you don't, I hope you'll uh, make that decision even while I'm up here preaching just to embrace Christ by faith and receive the free gift of eternal life, a life-changing decision. But even if you have uh, peace uh, with God, uh, many Christians... Uh, this Christian uh, sometimes uh, has not been uh, experiencing uh, the peace of God. Uh, what Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, the peace of God that uh, passes or surpasses my old way, my other way of thinking. So, um, like I said, if you haven't, uh, please turn to uh, Philippians chapter 4. And uh, in this message, I'll recap at the end, but we're just going to go through uh, really one verse and uh, while you're turning to Philippians 4, if you haven't already, uh, let me just say that we have uh, all the time um, uh, bad thoughts uh, bombarding um, our uh, minds. And the key is to get the bad thoughts uh, out and to get the good thoughts uh, in. And a lot, we've spent a lot of time already talking about resolving conflict and getting the negative out and getting the dividing cares out. Um, but you're like, well, James, but pretty soon I've got so many things out of my head, I won't have any uh, good things to think about. Um, and that's what this message is about. Um, out, everyone say, out with the bad. Okay, I'm not going to think that thought. I don't have to think that hurt, uh, that um, disappointment, uh, that anxiety. I don't have to think that. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't have to think that. Right? I don't have to think that. Uh, but uh, what should I be thinking about? Uh, that's what this message, part three of how to have peace of mind is all about. And we're going to actually, let me read. Um, <laughs> I'm going to attempt. Don't try this at home. I'm going to attempt to preach a whole message on one verse. 
Now I'm just telling you, this is don't try this at home. This is this is not for amateurs. And and thank you, thank you, thank you. That was my mom. And no. <laughs> and and uh, I'm going to try. Let me read you the verse. Can I just read it to you? It's really pretty incredible. Having said. Um, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we talked last time about building that brick wall of peace around to guard my mind and my heart from anxious thoughts. Now here's the verse. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. All right? So there's a list. Uh, you have them. There's a list of eight what? There's a list of eight good thoughts, and I think the fact that he says, uh, whatever, whatever, he's separating them out. They're not overlapping categories there, although there is maybe some of that. There is uh, just uh, these uh, many, many things that we can be choosing, say choosing, choosing uh, to think about. Now, I want to acknowledge, let's uh, jot this down, you, you have to fight for your peace. What I've, what I've observed is, is that the negative thoughts, uh, the hurtful thoughts, the harmful thoughts, uh, they come all by themselves. Everybody notice that? You know, you don't wake up and go, I'm going to have an awful day today. You just, you just, I'm going for it. I'm going to dig up the worst, most terrible things to think about. You're just kind of going along, and all of a sudden, where did that come from? And, and, and I don't want to think about that. I thought I was past that, and here's back again. And I thought I got to a place of victory, and now I'm struggling again. And so we wrestle with these things, and, and uh, so we're going to have to uh, discipline. Uh, we're going to have to fight for a peace of mind. The, good, uh, the bad thoughts come on their own. The good thoughts have to be chosen, uh, selected, embraced, pursued. That's why Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let this peace, let it rule. Let it be, that's the war analogy, the fighting for it. And when the bad thoughts come, the peace of God that's guarding my heart and mind, it's fighting off the bad thoughts, build up that wall of peace around your thinking all right, now then, uh, here they come. Is Mike all right? Here they come then, uh, one at a time. Uh, fight for peace. Whatever, see it there in verse? Finally, brothers, he's summarizing his thoughts. He's pulling it all together. Finally, whatever is true. Whatever is true. Uh, jot this down. A peace is lost uh, in deception. A peace is lost in deception. And as you're deciding, um, is, this, is this a good thought or is this a bad thought? Here's a question that can help you uh, evaluate uh, the thought. Is this true? Is this true? Uh, Paul Tripp, who's been a real friend, has said in his book, Dangerous Calling, I'm reading it right now, uh, and in the book he says, uh, nobody uh, preaches to you more than you do. 
If you think I'm your preacher, uh, I'm, I'm the part-time weekend preacher, you're the full-time preacher. Now, you are preaching to yourself constantly. You are telling yourself how to view it, how to think about it, how to handle it, what to do with it, why it matters, why it doesn't, where you're going from here. You are constantly, say constantly, you are constantly preaching to yourself. No one preaches to yourself more than you do. And if you're not telling yourself the truth, if you're not telling yourself the truth about your children, if you're not telling yourself the truth about your finances, if you're not telling yourself the truth about your marriage or your singleness or your uh, sexual purity, if you're lying to yourself, if you're saying, well, I actually uh, don't have to imagine those things. I uh, made a little list here that I hope will be uh, helpful to you. Um, five classics of self-deception. Now, the reason I know these is from talking to you guys. <laughs> I think we should all be able to recognize these. I surely do. Five classics of self-deception. Um, here's the first one. Um, I can handle it. I can handle it. This is just a little pleasure. Um, this, this is not going to be a problem. It's not going to overwhelm me. It's not going to addict me. It's not going to destroy my health. It's not going to hurt my mind. Uh, this may even be a bad thought, maybe in some way, but I can handle it. Hosea chapter 10, verse 13 says this, um, but you have planted wickedness you have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength. All right? That I can do it, I can handle it, I'll get through it. What has been burdening you this week that you didn't pray about? If you're not going to pray about it this week after a message like last weekend, will you ever turn in the face of hardship and get alone and kneel down and pray out loud and get a list and pray fervently? If you don't do it after a message like last weekend, will you ever do it? And are you lying to yourself and saying, I can handle it. I'm on this. I can handle it. It's all right. I'll wait for really hard times before I get with the Lord about this. Five classics of self-deception, I can handle it. Here's another one. What they don't know uh, can't hurt them. You know, and no, I wouldn't be proud if my wife knew this, but what she doesn't know can't hurt her. No, I wouldn't be proud for my parents to know this, but what they don't know won't hurt them. Of course I would lose my job if someone saw me doing this. But they won't. And what they don't know won't hurt them. That's a lie. If, if you've been thinking that, if you've been preaching that to yourself, um, that's a lie. Numbers 32, 23 says, be sure your sin will find you out. You can't dig a hole deep enough to put your deception in, but that the God who loves you isn't going to dig it up and spread it out. Why? Because truth sets you free, not deception. And no matter where you stick that or hide that, Proverbs says, he who covers his sin will not prosper. 
And God's not going to let that be hidden. Now, I trust the Holy Spirit to lead me, and this little part right here isn't even in my notes. I bet I won't say it tomorrow. But I just sense in my heart that there's maybe someone here who's been contemplating something awful this week. And you think you'll get away with it. And you think you'll hide it. And you think you'll be pleased by it. And it's going to come out. Trust me. Be sure your sin will find you out. And if you've been thinking about something that isn't true, how much heartache comes from thinking about things that are not true, from preaching to ourselves things that are not true. Five classics of self-deception, I can handle it. What they don't know won't hurt them. Yeah, it'll hurt them. It's going to hurt them and you when it all comes out. Three, five classics of self-deception. This is an awful one. Watch out for this. I deserve this. I deserve this. Depositing the disappointments of life into a bank and saving for the day when you will purchase when, what you know God doesn't want for you. Well, I'm going to do this because you see what I've gone through. You see what I've endured. You see what I've suffered. If you had to live with this man, if I, uh, sh uh, surely a reasonable person would understand that I deserve this little what? Where's that going? Nowhere good. Five classics of self-deception. I, I deserve this. I deserve this. Psalm 51.6 says, Surely you desire truth in the inmost parts. Surely, God, you desire me to focus my mind on what is actually true. Here's a fourth one, five classics of self-deception. At least I'm going through the motions. At least my body's in the right place. Here I am, sitting at church again, like I'm supposed to. At least I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But your heart, see. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Isaiah chapter 1, God says, bring no more vain oblations before me. This trampling of my courts. God wants our heart. God wants our heart. And if you think being in that home, being that parent, if you think that going to that job, punching the clock, that's all God wants. That's all God wants. Just external conformity. But worse than any cancer eating away at the inside of you is your resentment of your responsibility. That's not going anywhere good. If you're preaching the wrong message to yourself, if you're lying to yourself, saying some of these things we've all, God forgive us, if we've said these things, I can handle it. What they don't know can't hurt them. I deserve this. At least I'm going through the motions. And then this one. God help us to run from this fifth classic of self-deception. 
I'm innocent. Are you really? Are you? Are you innocent? None of this is your fault. You, You haven't made it worse. You haven't kept it going. You haven't done the same. Really? You're going to hold out for your innocence. That's what you're preaching to yourself. I'm innocent in this. That's what Pilate said. Was he innocent? Did he say he was? All right, so. All in favor of peace of mind? The lying has to stop. The lying has to stop. Peace cannot dwell in a mind filled with dissonance. Dissonance comes from deception, all right? Deception is dissonance. Do you get it? Deception is dissonance. We all know the difference between a chord on the piano that sounds right and one that sounds dissonant. And, And there's no peace Deception is dissonance, and that's why there's no peace in the mind that is dwelling on deception. All right, well, God, help us with that. Ask yourself this question as you weigh your thoughts. Here comes a thought into my mind. I'm trying to decide if I'll think it. Is this true? Is this objectively true? Not just emotional but objectively true as a fact? Is this provable? Is this irrefutable? True. Peace is lost in deception. Is this objectively true as a fact? Now go back to the text. This is a pretty easy message to follow. Here's the next thing to think about. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is, next word, tell me, Honorable, jot this down, peace is lost on the low road. Peace is lost on the low road. Or is this the highest possible opinion? The word honorable there uh, means literally worthy of respect. And uh, true thoughts are how I think to myself. Honorable thoughts, so you get the first two words, whatever's true, that's how I think to myself. And then whatever is honorable, that's how I think about others, okay? How do you think about other people? How do you think about your family? How do you think about your extended family? How do you think about the people at work? How do you think about the people at work that are least like you? How do you think about people that don't like you? How do you think about people that have hurt you. This is a massive component of peace. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who spitefully use you. You doing that? I'm doing that. You doing that? Love your enemies in your mind. Love them. Feel sorry for someone who would do that. Think charitable thoughts about them. Pray for God 
to get a hold of them. You say, well, you don't know what she said to me on Friday night. Yeah, well, she's still her. At least you get to be you, okay? You're not the only person she's done that to. And honorable thoughts are, they're not naive. It's, it's not foolish and naive. It's just the highest possible opinion. Now, they're not like that. Okay, maybe they are like that. They're not always going to be like that. And, and, okay, okay, well, yeah, they've been like that for a long time, but it's not too late. They, they can still change. And do you see what I'm saying? And the, all in favor of peace? Are you with me, all in favor of peace? Because you're looking like, oh, I don't want to hear any more of this. <laughs> Everyone say, it's hard. it's hard. If having a mind filled with peace was easy, everyone would have one. Okay? So we're going after it now. You're going to have to think about things that are true. You're going to have to think about things that are honorable. I got thinking about that uh, Scottish song, you know. Um, you know that? You take the low road and I'll take the high road. And I think the next line is, and I'll be like Jesus before thee. Are you on the low road? Are you on the low road? Lowest opinion, worst conclusion, running your mouth. There's no peace in that. There's just no peace in it. Take the high road. Take the low road if you want. We'll be like Jesus before you. Take the high road, okay? Whatever things are true, Whatever things are honorable, peace is lost on the low road. Is this the highest possible opinion? Ready for number three? <laughs> I think I'm going to do it. A whole message on one verse. <laughs> Here's the third one. Finally, my brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, just. The word there means literally righteous. It's the idea that peace is lost in the contemplation of wrong action. Is this the right thing to do? Is this the right thing to do? Peace is lost in the contemplation of wrong action. Now, I don't know about you, but my mind is such that when uh, I am wronged, it's hard for me not to spend time thinking about things I could do to get even, to set the record straight, to end it. Any, I'm very lonely right now. <laughs> Anyone, please, please, do you spend any time on that? I'll show her, I'll tell them. Years and years, long, long time ago, the very beginning, very uh, beginning of my uh, ministry as a pastor, I, as pastors often do, I found out through a counseling session um, something horrific about a man in the church that I was in. It's so horrific that only with decades in the rearview mirror could I even bring that up. 
But in a counseling session, I found out something horrific about someone and was working on it and trying to help this family. And because of the way uh, that church was governed, there was a congregational meeting. And in the congregational meeting, that man stood up and said some wrong, hurtful things to me, about me, about the church at that time in the meeting. Now, what do you suppose I wanted to tell everyone in the room? If I had have said what I knew, they would have grabbed him and thrown him out. And the Lord helped me in the meeting, and I didn't say anything about it, but it caused quite a stir, and after a few days, I was meeting with a couple of the leaders, and I'm ashamed to say that I told one of them what I knew. And interestingly, he didn't immediately change his mind about the person, what he did was he thought so poorly of me for saying something that I had no business saying that was told to me in confidence. I learned a really, really important lesson, and that is peace, peace is forfeited. If you're thinking about doing something wrong because of something wrong that's been done to you, that's not going anywhere good. And that is an automatic forfeiting of your peace. The pastor in the church I grew up in used to say this in his preaching. I know how I have little things that I say over and over. And one of the things that he used to say over and over was, every time you throw dirt, you lose ground. It's brilliant. Get it? Get it? Every time you throw dirt, you lose ground. Whatever things are just, peace is lost in the contemplation of wrong action. And so as you're thinking about, what am I going to do? Will I do this? Will I do this? Peace is lost in the contemplation of wrong action. Ask yourself, is this the right thing to do? Is it right? Is it right? Whatever things are true and honorable and just, and then this, I love this, whatever things are pure. You see it there in the text? Men and women, are you listening? Peace is lost in a dirty mind. Peace is lost in a dirty mind. Is this morally faithful? Now, the word here, pure, um, primarily refers to that which is sexually proper, that which is consistent with God's design for healthy sexuality. And I'm going to try to give you, if I could just uh, have that, um, I'm going to try to give you a clear picture. Uh, if you guys could just, uh, we're going to have the watch keys just come up here for a minute. I'm going to paint you a picture, hopefully, a visual that will help you. This is Joe and Tina. Let's welcome them to the sermon today. Come on. All right. 
Now, uh, this is God's design for human sexuality. One man, one woman for a lifetime. Okay? Now, um, anything, say anything. Anything, loved ones, anything outside of this circle is sin and it's going to lead to suffering in your life and in the lives of those you love. You, you may battle some different feelings. You, you may uh, be feeling impatient. Anything sexually gratifying outside the boundary of marriage this is God's protection. They can trust each other. If, if, I'm going to just write. If she is allowing something from the outside, that's going to hurt them because it hurts God's design. If he is allowing something to come in from the, it's only the good thoughts. And this is God's design that together, I've got to get this right. This is God's design. And I just, sometimes uh, they say a picture is worth. Okay? So this is what you're going for. Thanks, guys. Now, you can think of a lot of places to go, sites to visit, pictures to ogle, flirtations to entertain, but anything in your mind outside of that is to your own ruin. God loves you. Every time God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. God's rules are not arbitrary. They're eternal. They're manufacturer specifications. Get outside that plan, you'll suffer for it. That's not how human beings work. That's not how God designed them. And if you want peace, peace of mind, You're going to have to start being a lot more disciplined about what you let your mind think about. Think about what's true. Think about what's honorable. Think about what's just. Think about what's pure. And then this, maybe my favorite word in the passage, whatever is lovely, whatever is lovely, the word means that which attracts through its acceptable, pleasing quality. And I don't claim to be an art critic, but I will say that um, uh, the older uh, I've gotten, the more that I have found um, enjoyment in uh, beauty. When I was a kid, my father was a 
school teacher and he would put us in the car and tow a trailer and we went all over North America. I've told you a lot of different stories about that through the years. I mean, I just, when you're like a little kid and you stand at the Grand Canyon, you're like, eh, I'm back in the car when I read my comic book, right? And you're a little, my, my dad took us to the Rocky Mountains. He took us to the Redwood Forest. He took us to the both oceans, Atlantic and Pacific. There's so much beauty in the world that God has made. And if your mind is filled with filth or residue from a past, a beautiful painting, a beautiful person, the ability to see past even the outward temple that is perishing and to see the growing, increasing beauty of Jesus in the people around you. Amen. To be able to look at your spouse and to be able to see in the wrinkles of the years the beauty of an enduring love. To be able to go back to a portion in God's word that has been a treasure to you before and to see the beauty and the way that that is constructed and how perfect and helpful and lovely it is. To be able to sit at a dinner table where someone, uh, men, has served you more meals than you could count. And to have a recipe that you're very familiar with put in front of you again and see the beauty of the person who served you and prepared this for you and knows that it's something that you like and to let joy well up in your heart about that and be blessed by it and pass it on to that person. Whatever things are lovely, a piece of music, a treasured friendship that you've neglected, Call that person this week. The Lord brought you to mind. You've been a treasure in my life, and God convicted me about the neglected beauty in the friendship between us. Whatever things are lovely, peace flees the fault-finding mind. Peace finds and feeds and focuses upon true beauty. Last sentence on this. Look more deeply into the mundane and see the beauty of its continuance and think about it 
Here we are at church again. This is a good place and beautiful things are happening here and there's peace in thinking on these things and then whatever things are commendable, commendable. Peace is found in words with kindness. Ask yourself, is this friendly? Is this friendly? It's kind of an unusual word here in your Bible. The word translated commendable in my translation, the King James Version says, whatever things are of good report. It's kind of a hard phrase to translate. It actually means well-sounding words. You, 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 you talk good. You good talker person. Your talking is terrific listness. Well-sounding words. What is commendable? We hear a lot of words. Ask yourself this question. Does this sound good? Is this kind would be one translation. Words of kindness. I like that. So next time you're reading on the internet, looking at a magazine article, watching some news about someone on the television, sitting over coffee and hearing someone not there talked about, ask yourself this question. Is this a good report? Is this commendable? A great question to ask someone who's giving you a bad report is to say, Why are you telling me this? Trust me, that freezes people fast. Why, why do you want me to think that about her? How have you come to the conclusion that I will benefit from thinking that? Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just? Is it lovely? Is it commendable? I like that idea of uh, friendliness. Is this what a friend would say? Um, thank God for our friends. Friends are available and faithful and loyal. Peace is found in words with kindness. Ask yourself, is this friendly? Now, look up here for a sec. When you're running through a list of things, and, 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 whatever, and whatever is, and whatever is, and whatever is, and you kind of get to, I can't keep going on forever. So now he gives kind of two summary statements about what to think about. He says, is there any excellence is there any excellence? 
The idea here is, is that peace is found in agreement. Is this majority thinking? It's interesting. Peter used the word that's translated excellence in your Bible. Uh, Paul only uses it here. And the reason is really interesting. The reason why is Paul doesn't like this word. But here the Holy Spirit inspires him to use it. Paul doesn't like the word because the word means human goodness. And Paul is so about, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Paul doesn't even want to acknowledge that there is any human goodness. And in terms of being saved, there is none. Everyone say there is none. none. Yet, while there are no good deeds we can do to be saved... For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. It's not of works so that no one can boast. While there's nothing that we can do that is good in terms of saving us, still people do do good things. And Christians should be the, I'm trying to think, the most goodly the goodest, <clears throat> the word is excellence. New King James says virtue, if there's any virtue. That which the human race consistently regards as good. That's what it is. And you may think it's good, and he may think it's good, but would the first six rows of the center section, would they all agree That's good for sure. That's what he's talking about. That which we would all, so if you're thinking about doing something and everyone in your small group would be like, that's not good. Don't don't do it and don't even think about doing it. But if everyone in your family who's in their right mind and (laughs) an important caveat, and if everyone in your church family who's in their right mind would say to you, if they would all chorus together, that is good, everyone say it. If everyone would agree, that is good, think about that. That's what he's saying. If there's any um, excellence, peace is found in agreement. Is this majority thinking? And finally, um, if there's anything, uh, if it is excellent, and then finally, if there is anything worthy of praise, worthy of praise, Peace is found in God. Is this vertical? God's word, God's son, God's people. This is, is of course, uh, why we come to church. If there is anything praiseworthy, look up here. Does this honor God? Does this provoke God's worship? Does this raise his name? Think about these things. Now just that last phrase, think about these things. The word think about these things is the idea of the word uh, ruminate. Do you know what a a ruminate means? Uh, A ruminant is a uh, clothed uh, hoof uh, animal that actually has uh, two stomachs. And uh, a ruminant is an animal that eats uh, grass And they swallow it down into their first stomach and then they go and, like a cow, and they go and sit under a tree and then they um, bring it back up again. Everyone say, No, wait, 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 wait. And then they bring it back up again. 
and they chew it over and over and over and over and they go over it and over it and over it and over. Does that make you want a glass of milk? That's all I'm saying. They go over it and over it and over it and over it. They ruminate on it and that's what that means when it says, think on these things. Get the stuff that is true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think on these things, okay? That's how to have peace of mind. Out with the contaminants of conflict, in with rejoicing. Out with the dividing care, in with peace through thankfulness. Think on these eight things. Peace, the calm assurance that what God is doing is best. Uh, favorite, 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 uh, favorite illustration uh, to close. Just think for a moment now with me, everybody, just think. What is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and um, excellent and praiseworthy? My favorite illustration is of two uh, painters who were competing to depict a picture of peace. Each wanted to use their skill to create a painting that when you looked at it, it gave you a sense of peace. The first painter painted a calm sea with not a ripple, where the water meets the horizon in the middle of the sea was a boat. And in the boat was a little boy, and in his hand was a fishing rod as he sat calmly, his line barely breaking the water. The painter said, that's peace right there, that's peace. That's peaceful, that's peaceful. That's Peaceful right there. The, others, the other guy's like, no, 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 no. He painted something very different. He pa pa painted a cascading a waterfall a rushing over a cliffside and, and halfway down the roaring uh, waterfall was a rock and uh, jutting out of the rock was a branch and at the end of the branch, right as the water roared by, was a nest, and in the nest were little chicks, and there was a robin on the edge of the nest feeding her babies. Winner, winner, I declare him the winner. It's easy to have peace when the sun is shining and the waters are calm and you're on vacation and you're fishing, but God's peace sustains us in the most tumultuous times. When the water's roaring, when the mouths have to be fed, when the needs are great, that's where the real peace is. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace 
whose mind is stayed on thee. And I would suggest, I hope you know, that the one who is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy is our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is our peace. He is our peace. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, these precious loved ones. What privilege you grant that I can be the one who opens your word of life. Thank you that as we gather here, you feed us faithfully from your word and you stir our affections for the Savior. Thank you, Father, that in you we find forgiveness and strength and hope. Thank you that in your Son we have had our very eternity altered. And thank you that he is the lovely one, that he is the pure one, that he is the excellent, praiseworthy, just and true one, and we honor him. And we pray that you would turn our minds away from the cycle that brings dividing care and focus our thoughts on the faithful one whom to know, whom to love is eternity itself. Oh, Jesus, be the consuming focus of our minds. We pray in your precious name. So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's Word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast, where the learning is for loving, loving God, and for loving others more and more until we see Him face to face. Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership, and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching, and and resources are there, and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.